What a great blessing it is to be together tonight and want to say welcome to those who are visiting with us uh, as we have this opportunity to come together and glorify God again on this beautiful first day of the week. Uh, There's no better privilege or no greater thing that we can do than to honor the God of heaven in our lives and with our lives. And when when we can do it collectively, it's especially, especially meaningful. And so we're thankful that we can be here to do that. And I'm thankful for you. And I give thanks to God for you. The Bible says in Psalm 107 and verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. In our theme this year of making this house what God wants it to be, a house of prayer, uh, I think fundamentally understanding something about His goodness will motivate us to be thankful and want to speak to Him in prayer in prayers of thanksgiving. Many years ago, over a hundred years ago, Rudyard Kipling was uh, one of the most famous authors in the world. Uh, In the late 1800s, he wrote The Jungle Book and Captain's Courageous and a number of other great works uh, that are yet kept in our memory and made alive in films and all sorts of things. But he was so popular that someone in his day uh, reported that he was making about $10 for every word that he wrote. Now, considering the fact that the Jungle Book itself is uh, 50,000 words, $10 a word, you know, I think that's 500,000, that's half a million dollars. And that was in the late 1800s. That was a lot of money in the late 1800s. So he was making $10 a word and no doubt a multimillionaire even in his day. Some college students who didn't particularly like his writings uh, in a smart sort of a prank wrote him a letter, and put in the letter $10, and said, send us your best word. Just one word, we're only giving you $10. And so he returns uh, uh, there, he wrote a letter back to them with one word on it, and the word was, thanks. (laughs) Free $10, you know. (laughs) Thanks, that is in fact our best word. It's a word that we teach our children. I just noticed somebody yesterday, uh, maybe today I had heard it as well, I'm not sure, but I know yesterday I heard someone telling a little child, what do you say? <laughs> thanks, right? Thanks. We teach our children to say thanks. It's such an important word. Now, not everybody in the world teaches their children to say thanks, but certainly Christians do. And we notice that, notice that a lot. We want our children to be able to say thanks. We are to give God thanks always because God is always good. In everything, give thanks. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So we are to give thanks in everything, and God has given us everything. In everything, then, we are to be thankful. He's not worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things, the, the air that we breathe, the life that we have, and everything that supports that, everything that we have in any way that can be said to bless our lives, comes from God. He gives us all things, all things that we possess, all things that we interact with, all things that we use. God has given us all things. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 17, That every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation 
or shadow that is cast by his turning. And what the last part of that verse is saying is that God never changes with respect to his goodness and his giving. He is always that way. He's always the giver. Constant light. He's not like, uh, you know, the sun shines brightly one day and the clouds cover it up the next day and the stars seem to move with the seasons and all that sort of thing. And some nights they seem to shine brightly and sometimes they're covered up with haze. But God is not like that way. There's no shadow that is cast in any way by his variableness because he's not variable when it comes to his giving. We give thanks to God for his goodness. God is always good, even when bad things are happening. When someone is upset um, and something bad happens, you might hear someone say, uh, good Lord. I think most of the time when that's said, they don't, the person who says it doesn't really appreciate how good the Lord is, and they're probably not referencing his name in a very holy way. But you hear that phrase a lot, don't you? Well, the Lord is good. He is ultimately good. In fact, he defines what goodness is. And in comparison, there's not one of us that's good in comparison to him. Remember, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks a question, good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Because no one is good but God. God is the very definition of what good is. He is goodness. And he expresses it and shows it to us. Without God, nothing could be good. He is the good Lord, even when things are going bad in our lives. When we're trying to cope with a situation that may not have turned out the best as far as our understanding is concerned, we might say, well, it's all good. But really, it is all good. Or we'll work to good because God is good. God's goodness is a reflection of his mercy. When we talk about mercy, we normally define it as sort of the other side of grace. Grace and mercy go together. Uh, grace, is, we say sometimes, is giving us what we don't deserve. And mercy, we say sometimes, is not giving us what we do deserve in the, in the context of punishment for sin. But really, grace and mercy can be used interchangeably. The definitions aren't that clearly delineated. And especially in the Old Testament, mercy from God uh, is both of those things, giving us things we don't deserve and not giving us the punishment that we do deserve. We see that. This is an aspect, or maybe we should say uh, a manifestation of the goodness of God. I'd like you to go in your Bibles right now to Psalm 136. And notice this great psalm with me. We're not going to look at every verse in it, but uh, sort of give you an overview of it. In Psalm 136 and verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. This is why we want to give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endures forever. You get the point, right? Give thanks to Him. Why? Because He's good and His mercy endures forever. It is constant that He is 
demonstrating and showing his mercy to us. He alone does great wonders. wonders. His mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, his mercy endures forever. To him who made the great lights, his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, his mercy endures forever. So every time we go out into the created world and we behold the sun and the moon and the stars and everything that is around us, which is a a manifestation of the mercy of God, We have been thankful for the sunsets and we have been thankful for the blooming flowers and we have been thankful for the beauty of the sea and the majesty of the mountains and we have been thankful for the breath that we breathe, the air that surrounds us and the rain that comes and we've been thankful for the beauty of God's creation. Because he's so good. He's so good. His mercy endures forever. And it surrounds us. As this psalm progresses, you see in verses 10 through about verse 22, uh, a rendition of Exodus and the wilderness wanderings, which just happens to be of course, <laughs> what we're studying in our Bible classes throughout, I think except for the foundations class right now, Exodus and the Wilderness Wanderings. So if you want an inspired uh, sort of encapsulation, synopsis of this whole Bible period that we're studying, look at these verses with me. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. He brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, we studied that just this morning, for his mercy endures forever. He made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. He overthrew Pharaoh, his army, in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his mercy endures forever. Slew famous kings, for his mercy endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever. Og, king of Bashan, for his mercy endures forever. Gave their land to his heritage as a heritage, for his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his mercy endures forever. Do you realize that all of this that we're studying in our Bible classes this quarter, the exodus from Egyptian bondage, the wandering in the wilderness, And finally, entering into the land of promise is an exhibition of the mercy of God. Israel needed to realize that. I don't think they fully did in their history realize how merciful God was to them. He gave them so much good, none of which they deserved. He gave it to them because he promised it to their forefathers. He gave it to them because through them, he was to bring his son as savior of the world. But all of, his, all of this was his mercy. His enduring mercy demonstrated in time and space to the people of Israel. God's mercy is seen in all of those things. It was seen in the way that God remembered Israel when they inhabited the land. And it's seen in the way even today when we have eaten food and enjoyed that. 
God gave us that. I hope we took the time to give thanks for that. In verse 25, he gives food to all flesh, for his mercy endures forever. And then the last verse of the psalm, Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. God is so good to us in ways that we do not deserve at all. And yet he's good because his mercy endures. God is good to us even when we've been undeserving, foolish, sinful, wayward. Yet even in those circumstances, he redeems, he saves, he sacrifices his son. God is good to us even when we're undeserving. Let's look at another psalm along this line. Psalm 107, if you're following along with me. Psalm 107 and verse 1 was where I started tonight. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Guess what? For his mercy endures forever. (laughs) Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. And what you see in Psalm 107 is... God is good and demonstrates his mercy in redeeming those who don't deserve redemption. And that's all of us. Verses 1 through 7. People are redeemed from their enemies. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And that's on and expressed in the next several verses. And then picking up the reading in verse 10. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And what? And what? Well, he just let them suffer, right? No. No, not. Not that. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness, shadow of death, and broke their chain in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. And that sin and that rebellion that held us in bondage and away from Him and in darkness and despair and distress. God has set us free. As He did Israel so long ago. Then by the blood of a lamb on a doorpost and a lintel. And today by the blood of a lamb, His Son. God has redeemed us who are so undeserving. In the next few verses, verses 21 through 30 of this psalm, the psalmist talks about those who are overwhelmed by the storms at sea. And God gives them rescue. They are thankful for that. Verse 29, he calms the storm so that its waves are still. They are glad because they are quiet. He He guides them into their desired haven. How many times have you had storms in your life? Difficulties? Problems that you thought were insurmountable? And yet here tonight, here you sit. And God brought you through those. 
Those storms that were terrifying. Those storms that you never thought you'd never see the end of. And yet tonight, here you sit, brought through them by the God of heaven. How many times have you wept tears when you thought the world had come to an end, that your world had come to an end? The loss of a loved one, a diagnosis of a sickness, the loss of a friend, the loss of a relationship. And yet here you are, through the storm. God is so good. He's so good. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for the wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Our thanks should be to God at all times, but particularly publicly. I I think uh, in the denominational world today, in some sectors at least, there is uh, what we might perceive as being, you know, the conservative Christians that we are, (laughs) as being an overabundance and effusiveness of thanking Jesus for everything. Or thanking the Lord for everything. Or thanking God. Can we really do too much of that? In the presence of others? I wonder if we're not falling a bit short here. In saying publicly that we're thankful to God for His goodness. And saying it often. And saying it loud. And saying it so that people know that we're servants of the Most High God. And that we live in a house of prayer. The psalmist will say, back in Psalm 35 and verse 18, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. Among many people. The lesson tonight has two parts. You just got the first part. The second part of it, it's not, this is not a lesson about all the things we should be thankful for. Because if it were, we'd be here for all the rest of time and all the rest of eternity. Because that's how long it would take to thank God for all the things we should be thankful for. But we should be thankful for all things. We've already read the verses about that, right? But the rest of this lesson, I want us to think about giving God thanks among many people, which we just read that we're supposed to do, and doing that for many people. That is to say, God has blessed us with and through people in our lives. Some of the people sitting here in this room with you have been the greatest, some of the greatest blessings in your life. And others. And we need to thank God for them. They are living demonstrations of His goodness. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 that we're to be thankful for all men. Paul says, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And particularly for Christians. Ephesians 1 and verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, 
making mention of you in my prayers, Paul says to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, he writes in Colossians 1 and verse 3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Colossians 4 and verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Just a few verses there to say and to notice that we're to be thankful for one another. Brother Gary, in the email that he sent out last night, noticed this in the book of Ephesians. It's sort of a prolific in there that Paul is thankful for the Ephesians and for what God's grace had done through the Ephesians. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So this is certainly a biblical concept to be thankful for those who God has put in our lives to bless our lives. This could apply to a lot of people, as I've already said. Friends and neighbors, wives, husbands, children, parents, grandparents, all the way down. But especially in our relationship together in Christ and in his house of prayer. For those who share and those who accept the gospel, we should be thankful. That is to say, for those who talk about Jesus and share his name and bring people to Christ, and for those who are brought to Christ. The working of God's grace in humankind and the humans that facilitate that. So when Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. He's thanking God for the Corinthians that they had accepted God's grace, were recipients of God's grace, and that it had changed them and made them saints as it had. In 2 Corinthians, he writes to these same people in chapter 4 and verse 13, and he says, Since we therefore have the same spirit of faith according to what was written, I believed, and therefore I spoke, we also believed, therefore we speak. He's talking about speaking the gospel, sharing the word with them and with others. He says, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you, will be with you, raised together. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through many, may cause, look at this, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. What's Paul saying there? When I get to share grace, and when you receive grace, we can all be thankful to God for one another. And the implication is, as he also tells the Thessalonians, that one day, we all of us, the sharers of God's grace and the recipients of God's grace, are going to stand before the throne of God, rejoicing in one another's presence. Here, and also in writing to the Thessalonians, Paul makes that point. He tells the Thessalonians, you are our crown of rejoicing in the presence of Christ when he comes. Some people ask me sometimes, are we going to know one another in heaven? I don't know how we're going to do that if we don't know one another. How are we going to rejoice in one another's presence if you don't, know, if you don't even know who the other person is? If you don't realize, here's a person you shared the gospel with, or here's the person who shared the gospel with me? I believe that's one answer to that question. There are others. But the point now is, let's give thanks to God for the privilege of sharing His grace. What a wonderful thing that is. And for those who receive it. Look at what Paul says to the Thessalonians. Now, I mentioned a minute ago, let's go over there and notice a couple of passages in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. 
as Paul begins this epistle, he says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and Father. So he's thankful for these Thessalonians for their faith, hope, and love. If you skip on down to verses 9 and 10, continuing his thanks, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven. He's so thankful that the gospel of God's grace had made a change in the lives of the, of the Thessalonians, that they had been altered from changed from worshiping idols to worshiping and serving the living God. Then in chapter 2 and verse 13, he says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. You know what I'm thankful for tonight? I'm thankful for Christians in this congregation who will set and listen to me try to stumble around and preach lessons, uh, you know, week after week after week, with their Bibles open and their minds open and their hearts open, and who are soaking God's Word in and living it in their lives. I'm so thankful for you. So many of you I know who are living that life. May I say to you, if I've never said it before, it is a privilege to preach to you. I thank God for you. David Livingston was, as far as anybody knows, the first man in any kind of modern history to visit southern Africa. Uh, he is enshrined and appreciated and honored in several countries in southern Africa because of the kind of man he was and what he did there. Uh, we visited a few years ago the city of Livingston in Zambia. There's a statue to him there at Victoria Falls and then there's a museum that also honors him there. When Livingston visited uh, Africa, he ran into a lot of the natives who were extraordinarily cruel, selling one another into slavery, murdering people. Uh, there, were a lot, there was a lot of tribal conflict. And uh, he, con he contacted a lot of that. He wrote, he wrote this. After preaching to a of natives who had murdered some foreigners, he said this, after preaching to them, he said, I had more than ordinary pleasure in telling these murderers of the precious blood which cleanses from all sin. I thank God that he has conferred on one so worthless the distinguished, distinguished privilege and honor of being the first messenger of mercy that ever trod these regions. The first messenger of mercy to murderers. We're so thankful for the grace of God, for His mercy, so undeserved by all of us. None of us deserves to speak it. None of us deserves to receive it. But how thankful to God we must be that we can and that we do.
We're thankful for those who share and those who receive material blessings as well. And I want to talk about that for a little bit. You might go in your Bibles now over to the book of 2 Corinthians. As we look at a familiar text in chapter 9 where Paul is encouraging the Corinthian Christians to take up this contribution which is for poor saints in Jerusalem. And he says in verse 7 of this context, Let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. This is 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. I'll get it. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he who is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. The ESV there says generosity. You are enriched for all generosity which causes thanksgiving through us to God. What did he say? You're givers. I thank God for you being givers. Then watch this. Next verse. For the administration of this service, this giving, not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. As someone who's been privileged really to see both sides of the giving and receiving that is done by this congregation to poor saints in other countries, especially Zimbabwe, it amazes me. It just amazes me on both ends of the matter. The kind of generosity that I see in this group constantly. I'm so thankful for it. And then I get over there and Gary tell you, you can't go anywhere. Every person, every congregation that we visited. Thank you so much. We thank God for you every day. We're so thankful for what Eastside has done for us. And feeding us and helping our preacher. This is all, all of that, all of that. As a consequence of the goodness of God. Do you see how his mercy and his grace is working through us? We, none of It's not any of us. It's really all him, isn't it? It's his goodness. When I thank God for you, I'm thanking God for his goodness through you. For the good that you're doing and have done for so many. We're thankful to God for the help that others have given to us as well. And we can't say, I can't say enough about this. Again, we could be here a really long time. I'm not going to do that. But every one of us can think about people in our past, maybe our parents, maybe a teacher, somebody who's helped us along the way. Somebody, we didn't deserve their help, but they gave it to us anyway. Maybe it was material help. Maybe it was emotional help. Maybe it was spiritual help. 
and they lifted us up. And they helped us along the way. And we realize, surely we realize, again, that that is God's goodness being expressed to us through a fellow human being. How many people should we be thanking God for every day, every night, of our, every, every moment of our lives for all that they have done for us? And yes, I was, I won't name her name, talking to one of the sisters here who was encouraging me to think and talk about this the other day because she was being thoughtful of all of those who had helped her in life, in her early life. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Romans, Romans chapter 16 and verse 3, Greet Aquila and Priscilla, my fellow workers in Christ, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Here, a man and his wife had helped an apostle, and he never forgot it. They risked their necks to save his life, to help him along the way, and it's being remembered in thanks by a lot of people. And there's another instance or two of this. I want to point you to Acts chapter 28 and verse 15. And I never had thought about this before. I started meditating on some verses that were talking about giving thanks for people such as that. And I ran across this. Paul, you remember, on his journey to Rome, it was an arduous journey. He's, he's been a prisoner for a couple of years in Caesarea gets on a boat, you remember the shipwreck, the horrible time he had there, uh, practically losing his life, and, and the experience uh, on, on Malta, and then going finally to Italy, and traveling now by road, heading up to Rome, and Acts 28 and verse 15. From there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appi Forum. So here are brethren coming down from Rome to meet Paul and his companions and his prison guards, as he's headed to Rome. And I can only imagine what sort of trepidation Paul had in his heart. Now, finally, he had appealed to Caesar. Some long time ago now, probably nearly three years ago, he'd appealed to Caesar. And now he's going to get to Rome, and he thinks, maybe before too long I'll be on trial before Caesar. You can only imagine the sort of thoughts that might be going through his head. And the text says, when Paul saw these brethren, he thanked God and took courage. The simple gesture of some brothers in Christ coming to greet him on the road, he was so thankful for that. Such a small thing, you think. I feel like Paul needed a little bit of encouragement right there. And when he saw these brethren, he got it. Not too much later on, perhaps a couple of years, perhaps a couple more, Paul's in prison as he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. And there he says, The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. When he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. For you know how very well, how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Here's a man who helped Paul out when he was in Ephesus and the struggles that he had there, which were mighty. 
Now he's in a Roman prison and Onesiphorus comes to him again and he refreshes Paul. He helps him there. And Paul's praying and thanking God for Onesiphorus. It's an example for us, friends and brethren, not only to be Onesiphorus, but to be Paul in giving thanksgiving to our brothers and sisters who help us through the difficult times. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. His mercy endures forever. Let us be, let us be a house of thankful prayer. And we, we've really only touched tonight on the goodness of God and just a couple of things that we should be thankful for. And they're not really things, they're people. But there's so much more. So much. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. There is no greater thanks that anyone could give to God for all of his goodness than to give their life to God. That's what Jesus came, came really to teach us and to show us. That a life that loves God, a person that loves God and appreciates all that God has done, will happily give his life to God. It's the only reasonable thing to do, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, to present your body a living sacrifice. Tonight, maybe some of you have not done that. God is so good. You, none of us have deserved it. But let's be good to him back. Let's do what we can to show our love and appreciation. Give yourself to Jesus. Please come while we stand and sing.